John chapter number 13 this morning, and uh, the Lord says the same thing here in our text in John chapter 13, and in verse number 1, the Lord's going to tell his disciples that he loves them, and he loves us, and I'm thankful for that today. The Bible will say here in this first verse, we'll read in just a second, that the Lord told his disciples that he loved them to the end. It doesn't mean the, uh, his love will never end. That word end there means to the uttermost, to the full extent. In other words, no one has ever loved anything or anyone like God loves us. And uh, to, to the utmost, to the uttermost, God loves us, and that is who our God is. Let's read our text in John chapter 13, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says this, it says, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth up from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash, wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Now Peter's going to say, You're not going to wash my feet, Lord. And the Lord said, If I don't wash your feet, I have no part with you. And So then Peter would say, All right. Wash my feet, wash it all. All right, I just I don't want to lose any of that. So, uh, but uh, I want to look this morning at the Lord washing the disciples' feet. And um, there are some who have made this an ordinance. It is never in the Bible referred to as an ordinance. It is never uh, repeated or done. And Paul gave no commandment from the Lord to continue this process. God did this as a teaching time, and um, and I think we all should be thankful for that. I. I would if the Lord told me to, but not having to wash your feet is a blessing to me, all right? Uh, you know, and I'm sure vice versa, all right? Uh, but uh, but the, the, the fact is this, all right? The Lord did this to teach. And what was his lesson? Uh, and why? And some, some will just thought, well, the Lord is teaching them to be a servant. And without a doubt, he was. All true authorities understand they're there to serve those who God has put under their authority. Uh, but the Lord had a bigger lesson here. And, um, and I want us to see that this morning. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. And Father, Lord, we love you. I do pray that, Lord, you'd help us as we open your word. We've read your scriptures and now teach us. May the Holy Spirit do the work of a teacher, an instructor, a director, a counselor, a rebuker, an exhorter, a convictor. And God, whatever our spiritual need is today, I pray the Holy Spirit would use your word today to help us in this. And Lord, we love you. And I thank you, God, that I can read that scripture and know that you love us. Lord, you love us to the end. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray now that you bless this time around your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our Lord had sat with his disciples in this room, and they had had a dinner together, the Passover dinner. When they came into the room, um, they all 
uh, set around this table. There's been pictures and paintings and, uh, you know, uh, what people have thought it may have looked like. But uh, man doesn't know. And if God wanted us to know, he would have told us. But, uh, but the Lord sat with his disciples in that room and they had had this meal together. Uh, he would establish the Lord's Supper. Uh, Judas would be, um, to Judas pointed out, the other disciples wouldn't catch on till later, uh, but Judas being a betrayer, and the Lord would point that out to Judas that he knew such, and Judas would flee and do what he would do. But the Lord was telling them in the midst of all of this that he is leaving. He's going to go, and what they didn't fully understand is that he was going to the cross. He was going to die for the sins of the world. Um, and where he was going, they couldn't go. Disciples didn't get that. By the time you get to the end of chapter number 13, Peter said, wherever you're going, I'm going. And the Lord had to rebuke him and told him that, you know, uh, well, you can see it at the last verse of the chapter. Jesus answered him, wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. He said, Peter, he said, <laughs> I'm laying down my life for you. You're not laying down your life for me. Matter of fact, he would add that in prophecy there that before the morning hour when the cock would crow that Peter would deny Christ three times. But then he looks at all the disciples and of course in John chapter 14, a familiar passage of scripture, as all of them are troubled at this knowledge. I mean, they had followed Jesus. They were faithful to Jesus. And now Jesus says he's leaving and this troubled them greatly. And that's why the Lord looked at them and said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, Thomas would speak up, being a little doubtful, and as was prone to Thomas, and Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus then gave verse number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now all this is going on. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus washes their feet. And, if, you know, we've all understood, I believe, that just a, a picture of him being a servant. But I do believe the Lord is teaching them far more than to be a servant. The Lord took this opportunity to teach a very important lesson of everything else that was going on to drive home the point of what Jesus was about to do. And I want you to consider this with me real quick. In verse number three, look at just a few things with me. Number, verse number three, number one, you see that there was a plan. Jesus knowing that his father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. There was a plan. Um... Jesus understood that all authority had been given to him. Jesus understood that it was all about a relationship that uh, he had with the Father. He knew that God had given him all things. Uh, he knew that he had come from God. He knew he was here for the purpose of and the will of the Father. And he also knew that he was headed back to God. And just very soon after this passage of Scripture, the Lord is going to resurrect, and, and he would then, in the book of Acts, ascend, and he is there then, and he's still there now, at the right hand of God the Father. But knowing the past, knowing the present, and knowing the future was all about the glory of God, he knew there was a plan. 
Verse number four, the next thing he does is he, he will rise from the supper. It says he rises from the supper. He got up. Now, they ate dinner a little bit different than we do. Uh, their tables were uh, much lower than our tables. Uh, our tables are uh, lifted higher. We sit in upright chairs, and we will sit around the table and have a dinner together. In those days, their tables were much lower, and um, they would recline. Uh, literally, why they ate, they would rest upon pillows that were placed on the ground, and, uh, and uh, the host would be in the center of the table, and those who uh, uh, were uh, being uh, recognized, I guess, by the host, uh, the more recognized you were, the closer you were to the host, but they would all sit around the table. And uh, they would be reclining in this, uh, and it was a time of rest and a time of acceptance, a type of, uh, uh, of just a, a comfort to sit around and to eat in the way that they did. And Jesus rose up from this supper. He left that place of rest where all of them were just sitting and talking, this place of comfort. He stood up from that, and he left that place of rest. Number three, the Lord laid aside his garments. It says in verse number four, he riseth from the supper and laid aside his garments. He took off that outer covering, that outer coat. He took it off and he laid it aside. Disciples, no doubt, were watching, wondering what is going on. I mean, they're all sitting around this table. They had this meal together, a time of great fellowship. And all of a sudden, the Lord, without saying anything, stands up from the center of this stands up from this place of comfort and, and communion and fellowship. He gets up and he takes off his outer garment and he lays it aside. And disciples are watching intrigued. What is going on? The fourth thing that he does is he takes a towel and he girds himself with it. It says in verse number four, he took a towel and girded himself. Aren't you really impressed with my points of this sermon, right? right? But he took this towel after he'd taken that outer garment off. He takes this towel he girds himself, and what he does is he, he, uh, he takes the, the, uh, how a, a, the servant would be as he's about to wash the feet. Do you understand this, that the person that washed the feet of all the guests, you were on the wrong of servants, however many servants you had, you were at the bottom. If you were the guy washing everyone else's feet, right? Their feet, it wasn't like, you know, our life today they wore sandals their feet everything was dirt and dusty when they walked into a house they were disgusting right uh i don't praise the lord we don't live in those days amen uh but the, their feet would have been really dirty and and uh, and the lowest servant would have taken a towel gone to them and prepared to wash their feet and so he takes his towel and he girds himself and he puts on uh the the attire of the servant to do the dirty work here, the, the job that needed to be done. Number five, he poured the water into the basin. Verse number five, after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. He puts this water into a basin and he goes over to the each disciple and he takes the water in that basin and he cleanses their feet and takes that towel and he washes each of their feet. 
Now for the disciples, this would have been a very humbling experience. All of them should have washed his feet. But they didn't. They all apparently were... Um, thought themselves a little too good to do that. You understand also from another passage of Scripture, when they all walked into this room, they were all arguing over who's the best. They were all arguing about, you know, who, who uh, you know, should have the preeminence in this group and the Lord sitting down. That's part of this lesson as well. But if one of them, this is where their pride, this is my point, this is where their pride's getting in. If one of them would have went and started washing the other, they were recognizing the other people as more important. Right? Does that all make sense? Right? You know, if, you know, all the men sitting down this side, you know, if all of us are sitting there and we're all arguing over who's the best, you know, and, and Brother Martini went and got a towel and started washing all of our feet. He's basically saying, all right, I'm recognizing you're greater than me. None of the disciples did that. They would be more willing to keep the dirt on their feet than to lower themselves to that. A little side note. Don't be so prideful that we're not willing to humble ourselves and that we're willing to carry around sin for the sake of not repenting and recognizing we're wrong. It's always right to get right. But anyways, he washes the disciples' feet with this basin, with this towel. And then after he does this, sixth thing, in verse number 12, we'll skip down a little bit, but in verse number 12, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. So after all of this, he then goes and he sits back down in the place where he started. And he looks at them and says, Do you understand what I did? Now, the disciples would answer, but I would ask us today, I think the Lord's obviously teaching something. And I would ask you today, Do you understand what he did? From here, they're going to finish this time of Passover. From here, he would be arrested and scourged and mocked and scorned. His hands and feet would be nailed to the cross. His blood would be shed. He would be placed in a tomb. And three days later, he would arise. He would spend some time with the disciples and then ascend to heaven. But do we understand what this is all about? Let's go back and review our points and think about it. Number one, he knew there was a plan. Since the beginning, before the foundation of the world, there was a plan. Revelation says he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God knew before he ever created this world. And by the way, God created everything. Everything that is there did not happen by chance. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't an explosion or a process that has taken place. Over billions of years, our Lord Jesus spoke into existence everything that is. And before he ever took his finger and formed man in the dust of the ground and breathed into him life, there was a plan. And that plan was is that one day God's Son would come to this world and He would die for the sins of the world. Even when He uh, told Adam and Eve not to eat of that fruit because Adam and Eve, they had a free will as well. 
They chose to sin. Because of that sin, uh, they spiritually they were dead, and the relationship with God was was separated. But praise the Lord, He began to teach them salvation immediately. That plan was recognized as an innocent animal was taken; its blood was shed, and the coverings and the skin of that animal was placed upon Adam and Eve, so that their nakedness, their shame, was now covered by the Lord Jesus. The blood had been shed and it was taught to them that so one day the Lamb of God will come and pay for the sins of the world. They taught their children that. That is why the Bible says that Abel by faith made his sacrifice. He believed what he had been taught and when he brought the best of his flock as a sacrifice to God, that animal did not forgive his sins. It was the faith that he had that one day the Lamb of God would come and take away the sins of the world. That's why when his brother Cain said, I'll do it my way, and he brought the best that his hands could produce and put him before the Lord. And I'm sure it was impressive. I'm sure it was respectful. And I'm sure his motivation and his intentions were good. But that did not show faith in what one day Jesus would do on the cross. It is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It's by faith, not not by the works of our hands and what we do. And so Cain's, his offering was rejected. But that's why when Abraham took his son, you see, these things were taught. They were taught and instructed. Noah, Seth's line, would teach these things. Noah would teach these things to his children. And you get all the way to Abraham, who God, uh, he was a man of faith. He loved the Lord. And he, God instructed him to take his son Isaac, his only son, and to place him upon the altar. And Isaac, as a young man, looked up at his father and laid himself on an altar and said, I see the altar. I see the stones. I see the fire. I see it all. But where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, Son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And then that ram was there as a substitute. And you fast forward years later and John the Baptist is baptizing and here comes Jesus. And all that had been taught and preached in the Old Testament all came to fulfillment when John lifts his hands and says, Whoa, wait, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. There he is. Jesus would die for our sins. His blood would be shed. There was a plan. I'm thankful that before we were created, God loved us and provided a way of salvation. Not only there was a plan, but number two, he rose. He rose from his place of comfort. He rose from that supper to a place of rest and comfort and fellowship. Do you know there has always been a plan, amen? Thousands of years ago, before the Lord came and was born in a manger and all that we know that would take place in heaven, he stood up one day. And he left that place of rest. He left that place of fellowship he left that place of adoration he left that place of comfort 
he left heaven to come to this world. He left the songs of the angels. He left the glory that was due to his name. He left all of that as he rose from that place of comfort. And our third point was he then laid aside his garments. So what does that mean? Up in heaven, when the Lord knew it was time for him to come to this earth, he laid aside his glory. He laid aside his reverence. He laid aside that heavenly covering that he had in war. Philippians chapter number 2 describes it. Let's, let's read it again. I know we know it, but read it with me again. Again, it just shows what we're talking about this morning in Philippians chapter number 2. The Bible says this. Verse number 5 in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. All that glory. It was not a false statement to say, and is not a false statement to say that Jesus is equal with God. He is God. But verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. He laid aside... All of that glory, all of that recognition, he laid that down. He laid aside his garment and stay in Philippians, but our next point was he then took a towel and he girded himself. Say, what was he doing? Keep reading in Philippians. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus took there in that room and girded himself with that towel, made himself the servant in that room. Jesus not only laid aside his garments, his reverence and his glory, but he took upon himself the form of a servant. He knew the work had to be done, he knew the sin debt had to be handled. And he humbled himself. The Bible says this, again in Philippians chapter number 2. And being, verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus knew the work had to be done. So he rose up from his place. He knew the plan. He rose up from his place of comfort and rest and glory. He laid aside his garment of praise and reverence that was due to his name and had always been in eternity and always will be in eternity. And he took, took upon himself the form of a servant. He knew a work had to be done. He came here to this world. And he realized not only would he have to come, but he must die for our sins. Because the wages of sin is death. And our sin demanded death. And sometimes we just take that lightly. What Christ had to go through should have been us. But he took all that upon himself. 
all the mocking, all the cursing, all the, 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 the slaps, the striking, the blindfold, the, the mocking in his name, the pulling of the hair, the scourging, the cat of nine tails, his body being torn apart, the nails being placed in his hands, the people walking by and wagging their finger and their tongue at him and saying, if you're really God, come down. He could have, but he stayed on that cross because he loves us. He stayed on that cross because that was the plan. He was doing the work that had to be done so that we could be cleansed became obedient unto death even the death of the cross and then our next point was that he poured the water into the basin <laughs> Lord Jesus when he died upon that cross as his body laid there in that tomb there was quite the work being done he went down to paradise he led the captivity who were captive there and he would lead them now to heaven remember he told us in John chapter number 14 the next chapter he said I go to prepare a place for you and again I know I've said it many times the mansions were already there he said that he said in my father's house are many mansions he wasn't he hasn't been working on a home for 2,000 years that's been done for a long time all right but what had to be prepared what had to be prepared because the only way that you and I can be cleansed from our sins without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And when Jesus rose from that grave, he led captivity captive and he went before up to heaven and he stood before his God, our God, with his blood. And when a holy God saw the blood of his son had been shed, now the way was prepared. Understand this, and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, remember whenever Jacob died in the book of Genesis, he went to his people. I'm not, this isn't the point of the sermon, but all those with their faith in the Old Testament had gone to that place called paradise. That's why, remember, in this, even when Jesus is teaching, the, the poor beggar named Lazarus who had believed and had faith in God uh, and there was a rich man who rejected Christ uh, the rich man went to hell but uh, that poor man Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom he went there to paradise and there was a great gulf between paradise and hell Jesus went there he led all those souls who had put their faith in what Jesus would do but they were not able to go to the Father's house yet because the blood had not been shed. You see, that's why in one reason, this is just a little example, why the Jews, they did their work and then they rested. They had their Sabbath day. Because their faith was all about believing and living their life knowing what would happen. They're in heaven today for the same reason we're in heaven. Faith in the sacrifice of God's Son. We today meet on the first day of the week and live our lives. The Lord changed that in the Gospels and then in the epistles as the, all of God's people began to meet on the first day of the week. Because we live our life, it all starts with what Christ did for us on the cross. And now we live our life in light of what has happened. Amen? But can you imagine now, just go with me with your mind's eye. Because sometimes we just kind of read things, we don't think about it. 
Adam had been in paradise a long time. And I'm not going to talk about days and hours with the Lord. I understand all that. But Abraham had been there a long time. Isaac had been there a long time. Can you imagine the parade? And I'm not being blasphemous. When the Lord reached heaven's gate with his blood and behind him the redeemed every just man made perfect as Hebrew says those who had believed in what Christ would do for them and they're walking into heaven led by the Lord Jesus Christ with his blood amen and he stands before a holy God who when he sees the blood of his son now declares all men whose faith is in his son to be justified amen our sins are forgiven it is just as if we've never sinned we have been clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and you that are going to heaven today it is all because of this Jesus Christ died for us he shed his blood for us and our faith is in Christ alone no man cometh unto the Father but by me. It is because of the blood that has been shed. And the Lord carried that blood and presented it. And the book of Hebrews says that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ still speaks on our behalf. I believe one day when we approach the very throne room of heaven, the blood will be there. And we will fall on our face and just bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and honor that is due into his name because without that blood that was shed for us, we would have no hope. And Jesus took this basin. There was a plan. He rose up. He laid aside his garment. He took on the form of a servant and he washed his disciples' feet with that basin. And then when all that was done, he sat back down. Amen. When the Lord Jesus paid for our sins, he came back and spoke to his disciples and gave them some instructions and ascended up into heaven. And he sat back down. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father right now. Isn't it glorious? He looked at the disciples and said, Know you what I have done to you? I don't think they fully grasp it. They would later. I don't know about you, but I read that passage a lot, and I didn't really fully grasp it. But the Lord is just driving home through a picture that there was a plan, and that Christ had risen from his place of comfort and laid aside his garments, took upon himself the form of a servant. They could be made pure now because of the blood and he has sat down where he started at the right hand of God. If you've never been saved, may today be the day of your salvation. Say, what must I do to be saved? Paul answered that question to a man one time. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, believe that he is who he says he is, that he did what he said he would do, and that his sacrifice was for your sins. And through repentance of our sins and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we all can be saved. I trust you've done that. If not, do that today. To every believer today, 
it's so easy to take for granted what Christ has done for us. We come here on Sundays to worship the Lord. And I want to encourage you during this worship time, this invitation time, to take a moment to worship the Lord. Let me remind you what He's done. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I encourage you to take this moment of invitation believer and not stand there and endure a couple of verses of a song. Why don't you bow to knee today, today and say, thank you, God. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. That name which is above every name. Thank you that he rose up. Thank you that he laid aside his garment. Thank you that he was made in the form of a servant. Thank you that he took his blood to cleanse our sin. Thank you that he is seated there, the King of kings the Lord of Lords, and praise Him today.